Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of the History with Sai podcast, where I generally talk about historical topics related to what's on the channel. So far, I've covered a lot of political history, tales of kings, empires, conquests, and whatnot. But a lot of you out there have been asking for more information about the daily lives of the people of ancient Mesopotamia and the Near East. In today's episode, I want to talk briefly about the role of scribes in that society because, well, without them, we wouldn't know 90% of the things that we do about this region. And I definitely wouldn't have a YouTube channel or a podcast covering them. So short of being an all-powerful king, because then I could do whatever I wanted, I think that if I had my choice of profession in ancient Mesopotamia, I would have opted to have been a man of letters and preferably work as either a type of scribe, scholar, or both. In those days, between 3000 up to 200 BCE, these were very prestigious positions in ancient Mesopotamia, both in Babylonia and Assyria. There's a Sumerian proverb that goes, The scribal art is the mother of speakers, the father of scholars. The Sumerian proverb that I just read demonstrates the general respect accorded to scribes and scholars in ancient Mesopotamia. They were the recorders of history, preservers of knowledge, communiques between kings, and perhaps more importantly, the administrators of all aspects of life in their ancient world. Scribes operated in a society where the vast majority of people were illiterate. Their basic responsibility was to write documents for themselves and others, and they learned how to do this in special scribal schools dedicated to this very thing. Having mastered the fundamentals of this profession, the scribe was then equipped to serve administrative bodies and business communities, both private and public. Some scribes who showed an exceptional talent or interest in a subject often engaged in additional study, mastering advanced bodies of knowledge such as science, literature, and of course, religion. These scribes became scholars who were ultimately given the great task of preserving knowledge as well as advising kings and emperors, who were often also their patrons. Scribes and scholars generally belonged to Mesopotamia's social elite and were respected as both creators and preservers of language. A bilingual, and especially a trilingual scribe, was a valued asset to any ruler or large merchant firm. In general, most scribes were men who had been taught their craft since childhood. Generally, their fathers were all well-to-do merchants, governors, ambassadors, priests, or even kings. Sometimes, the son of a noted scribe would follow in his father's footsteps and become a scribe himself. There were even a few women who became scribes, but this was the exception rather than the norm. So, what was the life of a scribe like? And what is it that they actually did? Though the earliest scribes may have created simple pictographs to record basic accounting information, by around 3000 BCE, they wrote using a cuneiform script. As far as we know, the first scribes were Sumerian, and over a few centuries, the cuneiform characters that they invented became the dominant form of written communication in southern Mesopotamia. In most cases, this text was written by using a reed stylus to make wedges on a wet clay tablet. The vast majority of these clay tablets were rectangular in shape. However, many were also circular, 
especially those used by students of scribal schools to practice their written exercises. Land surveyors, especially during the reign of the Neo-Sumerian Empire, used circular tablets. There were many other shapes as well. For example, many royal inscriptions, especially those commissioned by kings, have been found on clay objects shaped as cylinders or six to eight-sided prisms, where each face of the prism contained a column of text. Cuneiform has also been found on clay cones, bricks, bronze nails, decorated temple figurines, and other mediums. For writing on hardened wax, scribes would use a metal or bronze stylus. When writing on wood, which was less common, the scribe used a small brush dipped in ink. And of course with stone, the most durable surface, scribes would use a pointed sharp tool, generally made from bronze, but later on also made of iron, to chisel the stone. This was actually physically done by stone workers who were proficient in such tasks. Still, they were overseen by scribes, who would dictate and guide the workers in making the correct characters or symbols. Scribal schools in Sumerian were called iduba, meaning house of the tablet. We have a good idea of the curriculum of the typical scribal school due to archaeological findings at sites such as Ur, Sippar, Nippur, and Mari, although other cities no doubt had their own schools. Perhaps they weren't as large, or we haven't found them yet, but we do know that they existed. In addition, Mesopotamia wasn't the only place that had scribal schools. Cities in Elam, such as Susa, had them, as did Ebla in the Levant. Egypt and the various Hittite kingdoms and empires also had their own scribal traditions, but since we're primarily focused on Mesopotamia here, we won't discuss them in this program. All of the scribes were under the tutelage of more senior scribes, most of whom were proficient in at least one of the four major areas of study, vocabulary and grammar, literature, mathematics, and music. By the old Babylonian period, which was roughly between the years 2000 to 1600 BCE, Akkadian had replaced Sumerian as the language of commerce and diplomacy. This doesn't mean, though, that Sumerian completely vanished. In fact, it retained an exalted position as a high literary and religious language, and in many cases was even used in the entrance exam for entering a scribal school. This was especially true during the Old Babylonian and Kassite periods, because during that time, a lot of Sumerian literature and knowledge was being translated into Akkadian. It's because of the work of such scribes that we have so many bilingual Sumerian-Akkadian texts, and ultimately, knowledge of the Sumerian language and important works of literature dating as far back as the early dynastic period of Sumer. In general, most scribes would become proficient in a written language through copying and studying various lists, which included sign lists, vocabulary lists, and grammatical lists. Once the student mastered the fundamentals of a written language and its basic vocabulary, he, or sometimes she, would advance their study by specializing in a certain subject. For example, a scribe might focus on Sumerian literature and thus spend their time copying such works and becoming familiar with its vocabulary. Others might focus on more religious works. Those who seem to have had a propensity for numbers may have put their efforts into learning mathematical words and symbols. Actually, 
Babylonian mathematical texts that have been discovered are really interesting and quite advanced. Some had tables for multiplication, division, squares, and square roots, while others dealt with basic algebra and geometry, the latter which was especially important for land surveillance and construction. Other texts contained standard business problems, what we today in high school or college call business math. These were generally studied by scribes who would eventually go on to do various administrative tasks, for example, keeping track of grain inventories or counting tax revenues. You could say that those who were more inclined to the liberal arts received special training in the vocabularies of literature, poetry, and music. Often, students of such scribal schools also mastered the performance of several instruments, songs, and hymns. However, there was generally a difference between a scribe and, say, a priest who would perform such compositions during religious festivals, of which there were a lot. The teacher, or master scribe, was known in Sumerian as the umanu, which essentially means master or expert professor. It was he who presided over the school, its curriculum, and of course, the students. The teacher held a very influential position because he had the ultimate power of recommending a student for a particular scribal job or field. So basically, you wanted to be on his good side. If you misbehaved, then the master scribe or teacher had the authority to discipline the student. In fact, a student could be caned for a variety of offenses, such as poor classwork, dressing like a slob, speaking without permission, standing up without permission, not speaking Sumerian with his Sumerian instructor, and sloppy penmanship. Some of the older, more advanced students often served as assistants to the master scribe, much like a student aide would assist a professor at a university. They were called big brothers. Scribal students generally began school between the ages of five and seven years of age and continued until they either mastered the material or grew into a young adult. They attended classes daily from sunrise to sunset. A text from 2000 BCE, which scholars have labeled school days, gives a description of what the day in the life of a typical scribal student may have been like. Written as if the student is responding to being asked what he did in school, it reads, I recited my tablet, ate my lunch, prepared my new tablet, wrote it, finished it. Then my model tablets were brought to me, and in the afternoon, my exercise tablets were brought to me. When school was dismissed, I went home, entered the house, and found my father sitting there. I explained my exercise tablets to my father, recited my tablet to him, and he was delighted. When I arose early in the morning, I faced my mother and said to her, Give me my lunch. I want to go to school. My mother gave me two rolls, and I set out, and I went to school. In school, the fellow in charge of punctuality said, Why are you late? Afraid and with pounding heart, I entered before my teacher and made a respectful curtsy. Like those in schools all around the world today, students in the scribal school took a lunch break and, it seems, mostly brought their food from home. Now this is one of the most interesting texts from the ancient world that I have ever read. You see, sometimes at school, you'd have these, I guess for lack of a better term, what I'd like to call a sort of freestyle, live diss track challenge. That's 
the best description I can come up with. In this particular document, two classmates, one named Enkimansi and another named Girnishag, boasted about how great they were while dissing the other. This is the first sort of verbal barrage of insults that I know of to have ever been recorded in cuneiform text. Enkimansi seems to have started it off. You dolt! Numbskull! School pest! You illiterate! You Sumerian ignoramus! Your hand is terrible! It cannot even hold the stylus properly! It is unfit for writing and cannot take dictation! And yet you say, you're a scribe like me! To this, Girnishag responded, What do you mean I'm not a scribe like you? When you write a document, it makes no sense. When you write a letter, it's illegible. You go divide up in a state, but you are unable to divide up in a state. For when you go to survey the field, you can't hold the measuring line. You can't hold a nail in your hand. You have no sense. You don't know how to arbitrate between the contesting parties. You aggravate the struggle between the brothers. You are one of the most incompetent tablet writers. What are you fit for? Can anyone say? Me? I was raised on Sumerian. I'm the son of a scribe. But you're a bungler. A windbag. When you try to shape a tablet, you can't even smooth the clay. When you try to write a line, your hand can't manage the tablet. You sophomore, cover your ears. Cover your ears. And yet, you claim to know Sumerian like me. I was really waiting for him to like insult his mother or his family, but I guess that didn't happen. The scribes or scribal roles that I personally find to be very interesting were those where they worked for private individuals. They really had tasks very similar to your typical office worker or legal professional of today. For example, it was the job of many scribes in private industry to record business transactions, prepare contracts, serve as notaries, review budgets and inventories, buy and sell real estate, write up the payment terms for a loan, and so on. It's really quite fascinating how many of these tasks are similar to those that many people do today. While most scribes ended up in some sort of public sector job, the best and the brightest of them often found work in the palace of the local king, or perhaps the governor of a province. Along with reading letters to and advising the ruler, palace scribes maintained libraries, supervised workers, collected taxes, and often acted as personal secretaries for the king and members of his household. Those kings and rulers who presided over large and diverse states or empires especially needed scribes who could also act as translators. Knowing another language besides Sumerian or Akkadian was a huge plus for any scribe working in the palace. If a scribe spoke Hurrian, Elamite, Hittite, or one of the dialects from Canaan, he was golden. This was because, despite the fact that Akkadian was the lingua franca for the region, many Mesopotamian rulers often found themselves with non-Akkadian speaking subjects, and it was always easier to get them to do what he wanted if he had someone who could communicate with them in their native language. Such scribes could also serve as ambassadors in the courts of neighboring kingdoms. In general, we don't know what the personal lives or interests of most scribes were. Most documents were written anonymously. However, there are a few scribes who stood out for achievements that earned them the title of scholar. 
Some of these rose up to extremely high positions in society, and in many cases, we know of them due to their personal or family libraries. In some cases, if they felt that their status allowed it, they wrote their name or some type of signature in a tablet's colophon. As you can see, the role of the scribe and scholar was indeed a very respected one in ancient Mesopotamia. So, it's not hard to see why several powerful kings in their records and annals claim to have been great patrons of various scribal schools and libraries. Some of these rulers, who boasted of their ties or association with scholars, were the great Neo-Sumerian king Shulgi, who claimed to have known several languages himself, including Sumerian, Akkadian, Elamite, Amorite, and Hurrian, the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser I, and the Assyrian emperor Ashurbanipal. In fact, it's from Ashurbanipal's library at Nineveh that many of these Babylonian and Sumerian texts were discovered. Ashurbanipal basically wanted a copy of every text that had ever been produced since the beginning of time, and he sent scholars and scribes all over the Near East to either bring them back, or, if this wasn't possible, to at least copy them. In one inscription, he boasts of his own scribal skills. I studied the secret lore of the entire scribal craft. I know the celestial and terrestrial portents. I discussed with competence in the circle of the masters. I argue about the text. If the liver is a correspondence of the sky with expert diviners, I can solve the most complicated divisions and multiplications which do not have a solution. I read intricate tablets inscribed with obscure Sumerian or Akkadian, difficult to unravel, and examined sealed, obscure, and confused inscriptions on stone from before the flood. I mean, that's quite impressive, especially if he says that he solved mathematical problems that have no solution. Now, obviously I believe he's exaggerating, but it still, it shows you his respect for learning and how he wanted to be in that elite club of scholars and wise men. This text or inscription is actually really interesting because Ashurbanipal's most famous or rather infamous inscriptions, generally deal with how he massacred whole populations, destroyed their cities, trampled on the bones of their already long-dead kings, and the like. It's nice to know that he did have a softer side. Anyway, it's thanks to these scribes and scholars that we know so much about what life in ancient Mesopotamia was like, and we'll definitely discuss and examine more texts in future programs. Thanks so much for listening, I really appreciate it. Make sure that you subscribe, both to the podcast and the channel. You can also follow History with Sai on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Take care.